That's why we also always recommend um, enabling some sort of SSL, especially for databases that are on the internet. So as soon as you have a database on the internet um, that is um, available, um, that, that goes not through VPN or an SSH tunnel, then you have to encrypt it somehow. Because if I'm sitting next to you in an internet cafe and I'm sniffing your traffic and you connect to a database without encryption, then I can read the password in plain text. Project A Podcast. Hi, welcome to a new episode of the Project A Podcast. I'm sitting here with Martin. Hi, Stefan. Uh, Martin is Chief Data Officer at Project A, um, and I have the pleasure to speak with him about the topic of data security. And as that sounds a bit boring, we said, okay, make it more interesting. How could you actually leak data in a today's world? This is our topic. Um, and Mani, maybe the first question to you, why do you think should we speak about a topic like data security today? Yeah, I think it has never been easier for a company to leak data um, mm. than, than ever. Uh, so, uh, and that's something that I think we both see a lot in our portfolio that people um, do stupid stuff where the risk of leaking data to the outside is quite high. I think we've been lucky in the past years that nothing actually happened, or at least we don't know. But yeah, you, you are the CTO of Project A, I'm the CDO. I think it is our responsibility to educate people mm -hmm. on how to not leak data. And I think we're going to try to do that today. Yeah, that sounds really great. Um, so then, then let's speak about what are the reasons for, for leaking data today. I mean, if I think of the, the modern digital companies, um, I, I see that a lot of uh, things are happening in, in different areas. So the one thing, applications are becoming much more complex. Um, so we stuff like the um, architecture models like microservices, um, people move, uh, move a lot of stuff to the cloud. Um, I think uh, you, especially working with data warehouses, with the BI team together, um, what, what do you see there on, on your side, not just from the, from the technical perspective? Yeah, I think certainly it is uh, like that infrastructure of IT becomes more complex, mm -hmm. but also there is this recent thing of data democratization, so that mm -hmm. a lot of people in the company want to process data, they want to run Python scripts, they want to have databases, they want to host their machine learning models. But isn't that awesome? I mean, that, that's awesome. actually what we want to have. We want to have people acting data-driven. Um, yes, that's an absolute fantastic thing. So I think it's very good. And mm -hmm. it's also something that I always try to encourage, that lots of people play uh, with data. Mm -hmm. the, the bad thing or the, the dangerous thing of is when people start uh, spinning up random infrastructure uh, in mm -hmm. the cloud or when they carelessly move data to, to systems that are not really secure. Mm -hmm. okay. So that's why we want to talk today about this to kind yep. of how to, well, have data, how to process data, but still do it somewhat securely. Mm -hmm. And I would say also uh, there is this uh, topic of GDPR. So mm -hmm. um, in the recent years, it's not only about not leaking data to public, but also internally, if it's by default, an employee of a company should not have access to the personally identifiable information of customers, mm -hmm. So also, we need to make sure um, uh, as tech leadership persons that not everybody in the company has access to email, uh, phone numbers, and other personal identifying information. So that's another challenge. So not only leaking data to the outside, but also making sure that not somebody in 
I don't know, marketing can have all the emails of all customers. Yeah. But let's first get back to the topic of uh, applications becoming more complex. Um, I mean, a few years ago, uh, we, we both still know the times, a classic uh, uh, application used to be on two or three bare metal machines or on some virtual machines somewhere in the cloud, all would be in a single network that was secured by a single gateway. And then there would be a few databases and a few, I don't know, PHP applications. That obviously changed. So what became That's, different? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the, the approach of, or today's approach of facing uh, technology uh, or facing challenges with, with technology um, is, is different. I mean, you actually mainly think in the past of some kind of monolithic big applications um, that more or less handle all the or the logic you want to have implemented. Um, today's, of course, you're going more into a distributed system. Um, if I think of microservices, um, then the normal idea of a microservice is not just to have um, its own infrastructure or to have its own infrastructure, but especially that also means that if it need to store data, it also has its own database. So it's not just maybe one database there, but if you run 20, 60, whatever uh, microservices, then you have 20 or 60 distributed databases. And I guess two or three times for a QA and uh, dev absolutely. Uh, environment and so on. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this is part of the whole, I would say, the infrastructure stack. So that is normally something that you have in common with a monolithic application as well. But um, you have to take care of uh, that these databases, it's not just all in one, but it's really isolated. So there is no chance um, to, to create a dump from one database and maybe to, to prevent that and not giving access to that, but there are just many of them. And the second thing um, that, that also comes into the game of, of distributed systems is, for example, serverless architectures. I mean, thinking not even of a database, but thinking of a queue that is um, then triggering some kind of Lambda functions or stuff like that. Um, you actually must make sure that, for example, if you put some kind of data on that queue, that it's not readable by anybody else um, except person that you that really should have access to that. Uh, and as you said, normally employees should not have any personal uh, related data access to. So that should be machines only. Advantage, I would say, um, of the today's um, infrastructure approaches. Um, you mentioned in the past you had some kind of separated, isolated networks uh, and stuff like that. And the good thing is, of course, uh, a cloud service provide the same thing. So you create your virtual private cloud and hopefully you have one. Um, and uh, ideally you don't have just one for your uh, whole setup, but you have one per system. So that means if you speak about, let's say two integration systems, one QA, one staging, one production system, of course, all of them should live in their own virtual private cloud and these should not be interconnected with each other. Uh, so, so this is one, it's, it's often happening uh, that we see uh, people just spinning up something and saying, oh yeah, let's, live, uh, let's all live it just in a, uh, have it living in the same space. Um, but that's definitely the, the wrong way to go. Um, and uh, so applications becoming more complex. Yes, luckily cloud providers provide the tools, but as always, you have to know how to use them actually. Yeah, so, so just before we um, speak about the concrete examples uh, a, a bit later, uh, I would like to tell one story um, that uh, has a lot of stuff to do with the data democratization part um, that you mentioned, Martin. Uh, so people starting to work with data and in combination with the cloud that can be super dangerous um, we had a case where um, somebody just spin up a small Kubernetes cluster, um, created a small Python application with, uh, with some backbooks, um, and then uh, actually got these triggered by, by some kind of external systems as well. Um, and uh, after speaking to us, um, we actually found out, and now we are coming already to the points, 
um, that this approach was maybe not the best idea because the person had no idea of infrastructure, especially securing um, infrastructure and data. I guess it was also with open databases on the internet. Exactly. So admin panel on the internet. So no admin panel in that okay. case. Yeah, that was good. But exactly what we found was a MySQL database open to public, um, so not limited. Unencrypted. Unencrypted access. Um, to be very honest, the password was, um, it was not super weak, but it was also not super strong. Um, and um, everybody from the internet was actually able to, to access it. And um, what you may don't know is, Uh, there are search engines, and, and uh, you should know normally about that, uh, what could maybe called Shodan.io. Yeah? And uh, what you can just do there is to ask them for a list of all uh, MySQL databases that are accessible within, uh, from the internet. Um, and this is just like a small quest, uh, request, like a Google search, no, just on IP addresses, and then you just get the list. Yeah. Let's talk about database security later. Yeah. Um, and now come to various ways of how a company can leak data. I think the... To the dirty details. <laughs> to the dirty details. I think the, what people often have in mind is the, the hacker that tries to uh, kind of intrude the, the customer-facing mm -hmm. application, right? So go to a website uh, and do some XSS injection or... SQL injection or whatever. I mean, yeah. yes, absolutely. Um, I would say... We sometimes still see these problems in the today's world, but to be very honest, um, I would say this is a smaller vector because normally people develop applications with some kind of frameworks um, and these frameworks normally help you a lot with um, at least preventing something like SQL injection. I mean, if you do stupid things, of course, there will be stupid results, um, but they help you to prevent a lot of that um, already. But of course, this is also because developers are thinking more modern um, and they know about uh, the potential uh, risk that can come up as an application. I mean, depending on the audience that is currently listening, um, you must make sure or you must understand that actually um, every API that you're creating is just publicly available if you prevent, don't prevent uh, any access to that. Um, and so everybody with uh, some kind of smaller knowledge of how to write a small script could just do brute force attacks so just um, try to randomly guess any passwords, any credentials, stuff like that. And your app must actually be ready to, to take care of that um, and, and uh, to prevent any, any uh, access uh, in terms of the database uh, stuff like that. Yeah, what, you, what, you what would you recommend for checking whether your customer-facing application is somewhat secure? Yeah, I mean, the good thing is uh, there are open source tools that you can actually use, so something like Nessus Security Scanner, something that you can actually run. You can hire companies to do that for you. Um, so we tried out Detectify, for example. This is one of the, the companies we worked with. Um, they do some kind of um, every time or repeating times uh, security scan, um, present you the results in a, in a nice uh, way. Um, this is something you can actually do. And of course, it depends on the sensitivity of your data. I mean, if I think of, um, I'm just uh, storing something like um, anonymized uh, data, uh, data application points, logs, application logs. logs. Yeah, that may, yeah, maybe a product catalog, but that can also be interesting for for tacker. Yeah, so to maybe know about your your um, your buying prices. Yeah, so not the one you for, but the, the other ones. So it depends. But um, actually, there are companies that help you with that um, a lot. And of course, training your developers. 
making it maybe part of your CI pipeline as well, yeah, so that you, if you every time you do commit or you do a pull request, um, um, that the CI pipeline also contains something that is actually checking a coach, uh, sorry, your code, uh, maybe also your infrastructure. Um, maybe if you do, do a deployment to production, then directly trigger some kind of external scan, always depending on how sensible you are. Yeah, I would also say that since the, the times of Perl written websites, um, uh, security on that side has improved a lot. Yeah. Lucky. So let's come <laughs> to my favorite topic yeah. of databases on the internet. Yeah. So I see that every two months somewhere that mm -hmm. people do really, really stupid things, right? Yes. So they they want to do some analysis, they want to try some, some machine learning models, they want to uh, build some dashboards and then they spin up some cloud databases mm -hmm or spin up some, some RDS instances on Amazon or, or something on Google um, and try to load in some data there. And usually they are happy once they can connect and it works. And I always almost get a heart attack if, if I see those. Yeah, understandable. And, <laughs> understandable. And so it happens, it happens, well, it happens quite some, some time. Mm -hmm. And then, well, and then it's a matter of uh, staying calm and telling people, hmm, please not do that. And then you start doing things which actually make it harder mm -hmm. for, for these people to access the data. And so it's also a challenge then to explain them, okay, uh, now we do this PVPN thing here, or maybe some SSH stuff, um, but it actually helps not leaking data. That is true. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say that <clears throat> the, the disadvantage, I mean, why are people doing that? Because it's easy. Yes. Yeah, and, and and this is one point. And um, uh, to be very honest, um, cloud providers, uh, where they may spin up their, their setup, um, they of course also make it easy for them, but it's not blaming. I mean, normally if you set up some kind of infrastructure on the internet, you should know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and um, adding some kind of complexity in, oh, now I need to install a VPN client, um, or I need to have an SSH key, um, or at least SSH, uh, mm -hmm. let's even not speak about um, a key, is something that people, I would say, that are working in the data democratization part um, are not aware of. Sometimes they even don't know that there is an IP or what an IP address actually means. Um, what could you think of as an approach to change it? I mean, if you go to them and say, hey, person, something is obviously wrong from my perspective because you have an open database of the inter in the internet. What is the recommendation from your side to secure something like a database access? Yes, so there is several ways of, of doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think, the, in my opinion, one of the best ways is to work with virtual private networks, mm -hmm. right? So that each employee uh, that works from home has a way of accessing the, um, the network of the office mm -hmm. uh, somehow securely from home. And then for that from there is some kind of side-to-side -side VPN to your cloud provider, right? Mm -hmm. So that if you are in the office, that all your connection between the office mm -hmm. and your cloud is um, encrypted uh, and also uh, yeah. secured, actually. And, and secured. Yeah. So that all your traffic between your office uh, and the cloud is uh, secured. Mm -hmm. And then it's very convenient because people can just use their normal database clients mm -hmm. uh, and don't have to care about everything else because mm -hmm. nobody is able to intercept the traffic between the databases and um, um, mm -hmm. in your computer, except the people on the network. That's why we also always recommend um, enabling some sort of SSL, mm -hmm. especially for databases that are on the internet. Yep. So as soon as you have a database on the internet um, that is um, available, um, that, that goes not through a VPN or an SSH tunnel, 
then you have to encrypt it somehow. Because if I'm sitting next to you in an internet cafe and I'm sniffing your traffic and you connect to a database without encryption, then I can read the password in plain text. Yep. And uh, I've done that several times uh, with, uh, with colleagues that were connecting to databases of, of some of our ventures to actually then show then please don't do that. I'm mm-hmm. able to extract passwords here. Yeah. So it's very easy with, with a packet sniffer uh, to do that. Mm-hmm. What uh, was the reaction from these when you say, hey, by the way, this is your database password? Some are kind of trouble. Why is this guy hacking our database? Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so interesting. That, um, <laughs> so but nice. I hope they were scared as well. Well, they changed it then to, uh, yeah. to yeah. So if, if you show them the, how easy it is to mm-hmm. extract passwords, then um, okay. uh, they typically react. So. So if you have databases on the internet that are accessible from the outside, then we typically re- recommend to mm-hmm. uh, also do something like IP restriction mm-hmm. so that uh, this is more of a problem that when people leave the company and maybe there are some passwords that then they um, don't take these these credentials mm-hmm. with them so that they need to be physically in the office or in the VPN of the, of the company so that they can, can access those. But also to, to limit brute force attacks Mm-hmm. Right, so that um, nobody is randomly trying dictionary attacks. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely so makes sense. So, to summarize, so securing databases um, is uh, always a combination of stuff. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's always at least two out of four things, like VPN connections, SSH tunnels, IP restrictions, uh, and SSL. Mm-hmm. And the more of them, the better, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, uh, absolutely agree to that. I mean, the best thing is actually um, to not put the database on the internet. I mean, yes. hiding it behind a VPN, that is a good approach. But sometimes have, you have to, for example, if you have a cloud-based reporting front end, yeah. uh, like a Tableau, then they don't build uh, mm-hmm. VPNs with you. So then you have to actually have a database connection through the mm-hmm. internet, and then you work with IP restrictions mm-hmm. and SSL. Okay, understood. Um, one thing that is also happening um, uh, regarding uh, data leakages or a good way to, to actually leak data um, that we put on our list is to speak about badly secured backends. Um, and if you speak about the backend, um, then imagine that something like a back office where you can do some kind of administrational stuff where you make and see customer data, um, customer lists, um, transactions. transactions. Yeah. So what are good approaches? Um, and, and if you speak of that, um, let's uh, first talk about our bad approaches. Let's talk about the bad approaches. What could be a bad approach to... Um, bad approach is, is to have the password, uh, have the, have the login admin, mm-hmm. and the password is my company 123 mm-hmm. uh, or my company 2000. Yeah, that sounds yeah, so great. That's, um, that's what, what, what happens very often that then people build a backend in some, in some web development framework and then... Uh, well, everybody is admin in this thing, mm-hmm. and the password is shared and roams around in Slack yeah. channels uh, and so on. And I think this is a, one of the most important things that we, if we speak about shared passwords, um, yes. you have no chance. I mean, if a, if a person leaving company and he has a password, you can go and just change it, uh, and then you maybe um, create a lot of pain for the 50 other people using the same password. I've, ne- I've never seen that somebody... Uh, uh, changes the, the the common backend password after mm-hmm. somebody leaves the company. Okay. It will be for the next three years the same one. Yeah. Um, the other problem with passwords is that people share passwords among themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So if if I have access to the backend, um, and you join my team, mm-hmm. uh, so there is two ways. Either we spend one week figuring out how we get access, we get another user account in the backend with the right permissions, mm-hmm. or I just give you mine. Mm-hmm. And normally people do the second, where, yeah. they, where they share passwords 
um, uh, 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 easily within Slack with with email and, and password managers and so on, and 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 that's a nightmare. So, yeah. Right. So passwords. Um, uh, I really don't like passwords, mm -hmm. so I always try to not have them. What do uh, you do instead? So something where uh, I, I get a guarantee that the person who is using a backend or a dashboard or a monitoring service mm -hmm. or whatever is actually in the application and has the right permissions to do so. Mm -hmm. Right. So this goes into the direction of single sign-ons. Mm -hmm. Right. So where there's a central um, database of uh, what 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 user would uses exist in your organization. Mm -hmm. And uh, where there is a way of uh, using that um, identity to authenticate against backends. Mm -hmm. um, so, so whenever uh, we build uh, backends, we try not to have passwords, but have, um, for example, in our case, uh, Project A uh, Google accounts to authenticate um, against applications. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And it additionally also makes sense not just to secure backends, But also think of, of some kind of compliance rules. I mean, if you offboard an um, employee, um, you can just by removing, of course, that uh, that access uh, in, in your Google or single sign-on uh, provider, um, you can just remove him from him or her uh, from every access they have um, that is actually secured with that. So instead yes. of changing passwords um, every time somebody leaves, um, it's more like okay, I deactivate the account. So what would happen? Uh, If I would uh, quit Project A today, mm -hmm. okay. I mean, you would probably uh, return your notebook, um, and, and the next thing afterwards uh, that is happening, um, that is a script is triggered, and that is automatically removing you from all um, from all accounts uh, that you have here at Project A. So something like Slack, uh, something like the Google account, of course, would become deactivated. Um, and with that, and this is the huge advantage of having a single sign-on, you will not have have access to any other. Um, appliance or application anymore that is uh, secured by that um, single sign-on provider in that case. And that's a good thing, yeah, because um, it's just something that is happening automatically. Um, you don't need to have any manual work, nobody needs to be informed. Um, and it's also understandable and traceable in terms of, okay, this and this and this steps happened actually in the script. Um, so if somebody really wants to know, then you can just look it up and see what kind of uh, accounts were deactivated. Yes. That's, that's much, much better because Yep. Um, people easily share passwords, yep. but usually not for their work Google account or for their LDAP account. I hope. Because lots of other stuff uh, uh, depends yeah, yeah. on it. And, uh, and especially, I mean, one, one important thing that you said about the shared passwords is maybe you're not leaving, or, but you're leaving the company, um, but actually uh, I am... Let's say you shared your password with somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, then, then the, the person that is running the application that even don't know that. Um, yeah. So, so this is uh, even more complicated because then you you have no idea who has a specific account or a specific password. So in theory, it could be necessary to change all passwords if one person is just leaving. And this, is of course, something you want to avoid. Um, One so thing, no passwords. No passwords would be awesome. Unfortunately, it's, it's not always possible, but if um, if you have to rely on a password, then at least create a specific account per user. Uh, so don't have something like we say, oh, it's admin, it's uh, um, test123 as a password, whatever. Um, but really, please um, use separate accounts per user, even if it's more painful at the very beginning. But people will share them anyway. Probably, yes. yes. But um, at least you reduce um, the, the risk a bit. Um, one thing is speaking about leaking data, I mean, you spoke about backends now. Um, so people being able to use uh, some kind of front end, whatever, um, to see data. 
Um, what I often see uh, as well is that, let's say, call it informal data exchange. Oh, can you just provide me with a list of whatever um, the, the last, uh, uh, the customer uh, IDs or the customer numbers and email addresses of the last 30 days? Um, so marketing request, not blaming marketing in that case, but it could be. Um, can you just provide me with that? And, and then, okay, the, the nice uh, admin is saying, oh yeah, just uh, create a CSV export from the database or wherever from, um, just send it over. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, and then it ends up on Dropbox accounts ah. and is shared with external partners mm -hmm. uh, and lies around on hard disks, on some random S3 buckets. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I think it's horrible, mm -hmm. but uh, it's also, I think it's a consequence also of increasing complexity of IT infrastructure, yes. right? So, whereas in the past it was enough to have maybe access to a sanitized backend database, mm -hmm. now with 50 different microservice databases, it's very hard for somebody who, who wants to solve a CRM problem mm -hmm. or an analytics problem to, to get hold of all of that data which I think um, increasingly more so creates this kind of informal data sharing culture mm -hmm. in companies where people trade um, uh, CSV files, mm -hmm. uh, um, well not on disks anymore, but <laughs> somehow <laughs> on the cloud. Well, and I think that's horrible, but mm -hmm. uh, happens. And uh, and it's also, well, it happens. So it's I think it's our, our responsibility as uh, as, as CTOs or as CDOs to make sure that at least it happens securely, right? So for me, it's a matter of um, making it easy and uh, making mm -hmm. it easy, but also secure for people to access data mm -hmm. so that they don't have to uh, have this informal data trading, but yeah. actually it's possible for them to have access to mirror database dumps, mm -hmm. maybe in, in some sort of data warehouse or some, some pre-stage of that. Uh, but also to to, uh, to, uh, to have to allow them ways of, of exchanging big files, right? So if if you have a, a really if, you have, if you have a policy of not allowing uh, long email attachments mm -hmm. or not allowing Slack or whatever, then people use Dropbox or, yep. or, or worse things. And, uh, and, and so this is an important thing to mention: is they're creating workaround. I mean, they have to do their work. I mean, if they need data for that, um, they will definitely find a way to actually get that data. Um, and and uh, you mentioned one one pretty uh, interesting thing from my perspective. So that sanitized or that access to a sanitized database. Um, to be very honest, um, this is something that we at Project A. So if we support ventures uh, um, from an operational perspective, we encourage to do that uh, to do that. But that I don't see that often in the wild. So if you do due diligence, for example, um, that's one of my questions: How who has access to to your production database and how? Um, do you make sure that you don't leak any data or that you um, don't um, uh, violate some kind of GDPR uh, compliant ru compliance rules? Um, so question for me would be that sanitized part, is it something that from your perspective um, is helpful in for democratizing data or the usage of data? Definitely, yes, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you want that people uh, can, uh, well, can get insights in mm -hmm. what in, into the business of the company, uh, first of all, without breaking stuff. So you probably mm -hmm. don't want to let them run queries against uh, the backend. The production database. The production yes, database. of course. So not. because it's very easy to join a table mm -hmm. with itself two times and, and, and do horrible stuff. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, as a, you as a CTO certainly want to prevent that people yes. um, 
uh, have access to the production backend database. Yeah. But then still people want to uh, somehow run queries against the backend. And then what to do then, sometimes they ask the developer, can you ha can I have your three months old uh, dump? Mm -hmm. Your backup. Or, or then, or then uh, finding thing wrong comes close and somebody needs to very quickly do an analysis. Mm -hmm. And then the CFO goes to somebody and says, please open the backend database so that I can access this with mm -hmm. my analysis tool. Mm -hmm. right? And then the database is on the internet. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the, as you said, so there are horrible workarounds mm -hmm. if you don't make people, um, if you don't make it easy for people to access data. And a sanitized dump uh, is, uh, that doesn't contain emails and uh, mm -hmm. telephone numbers and so on. Uh, is I think the, it's, it's really easy to do, and it's the minimum thing uh, which I think CTOs yep. or, or DevOps people uh, should provide. Yeah, definitely. And, and and also, well, if there is microservices to have like um, to not force people to query twenty different databases, but to consolidate them somewhat in maybe in an S three bucket yep. or in uh, or in some central database, but that. Um, they don't have to go through all the pain of uh, connecting to, uh, to, to to different databases. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, they actually don't want, as you said, so you don't want to have people um, operating on your production or even a mirror maybe of the production database. You mentioned one interesting thing, uh, it's about S3. Yeah. So yes, giving access, uh, giving people access to some kind of consolidated or aggregated uh, um, database dump, let's say. Um, S3 is something that is pretty useful. Um, but uh, I would say it's also pretty dangerous. I mean, if I remember of the past, um, there have been a couple of S3-based leakages um, where people just put a tremendous amount of data there from every direction. Um, that is something... And then, then forgot about it. And then forgot about it. And probably yeah. the bucket was created with some Terraform script. The, For example. the script is long gone yeah, and yeah. nobody knows. Uh, also, it doesn't cost so much, so you don't see it uh, in your, yeah, in your in bill. monthly bill. And yeah, so yeah. then it's just there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, actually, uh, what I really like uh, about uh, um, uh, to see that uh, happening um, was that, uh, for example, Amazon, actually, they highlighted much more and they actively ask you if you create a S3 bucket um, or if you make it public. Yeah, so so there is some kind of two, three step process now and it haven't been there before, yeah, uh, but now it's there, um, at least if you do it in a manual way. But of course, doing it via Terraform, something else, um, then you're screwed. Uh, and that should be um, some kind of important thing. And that comes for me as well to the point of saying, um, so one thing that we put on our list, um, if you think about data security, it should be f thought about first. Yeah? Yes. Um, so not, um, oh, now somebody's asking for security, now let's think about how we actually do it. Um, but it's much easier to think about that at the very beginning. Yes. Uh, so think about sanitized dumps. One thing, to, if you continue the, the journey of uh, how you could actually leak data, um, on my list, and this is maybe something like that is underestimated, um, is just stealing laptops. Yes, uh, I think we were, well, I, I think every now and then Project A loses laptops. I guess and everybody yeah. or every company happens. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Some of them got stolen, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, didn't happen in the last years, mm -hmm. but just employees losing them on the airport yeah. or, or somewhere. Lucky, not, not me yet. Yeah, not I, yet. I, I only break <laughs> them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, if yeah. you think of um, stolen laptops, uh, why is it actually a problem? Because data is on it. Yes, so there, are, there is the, the, the CSV with the customer mm -hmm. segments and the email uh, mm -hmm. on them. There is um, There are credentials on them mm -hmm. for connecting to, to databases. Yep. 
Um, well, there's uh, certainly emails on them uh, and lots of things. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, so mm-hmm. how, well, what would you recommend for mm-hmm. uh, dealing with... Yeah, with the... So what would you recommend or how would you prepare for the... In- 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 so how would you... So what would you recommend for uh, how to prepare for the inevitable loss of mm-hmm. laptops? Yeah, I think one important thing is, um, I mean, that, that's an easy one to use a strong password. Yeah, <laughs> so this is a good start um, already. Um, second thing that uh, definitely everybody should do is to uh, use a hard drive encryption. I mean, the password is nice, but if it can just take out the hard drive, uh, put it somewhere else in and it just read it in a raw format. Um, then I also get all the data and having some kind of uh, encoding uh, encryption on that, that definitely helps a lot. What you can do as well, I mean, you mentioned uh, the part of email or the CSV files um, or maybe Excel sheets, whatever um, on a disk, you could just put it into the cloud as well. Um, and of course, not in a Dropbox cloud maybe, uh, yes. but uh, putting it uh, at the Google cloud and spreadsheets, um, because then you again have that advantage of having a single sign-on um, and uh, having a secured access to the data. Um, also solving the problem if somebody leaves the company. Exactly. Yeah, also things with less data you have on your local hard drive, yep. the better, because uh, I think nowadays we know quite well how to secure uh, spreadsheets in the cloud. So yep. I think that there are some reasonable defaults, right? So companies can also decide, for example, that spreadsheets are not shared with uh, outside an organization. Yep. Uh, and so, so it's actually quite okay, I would say. Yeah, but it also comes with some kind of disadvantages. I mean, from time to time, I see that um, uh, that uh, that you want to share Google's. I mean, sometimes you have to share it mm-hmm. um, because you want to have somebody uh, reading the data. Um, and what can happen there is, uh, and maybe it's not a problem, yeah, but of course they don't have a Google account, so it's not possible. So they have to create one, and then you're sucking them into that Google or Microsoft or whatever space, um, which is probably fine from a data security perspective. But this is just the, the disadvantage of that. But I totally agree. I mean, not having it on your notebook um, in, a, in a persistent way, but just have it somewhere on the cloud is definitely a better approach to that. Yeah, um, Summarize, so it's kind of encryption, uh, like encrypted mm-hmm. hard disk plus not having data actually on your hard disk. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if you are really good, and uh, one thing that is maybe we spoke about stolen laptops now, um, think about a phone. Yeah. Um, uh, that that's also interesting, um, and um, luckily I can't process CSVs on my phone. Yeah. So at the moment I'm losing my phone. I have to tell our sysadmins that I lost my phone. Mm-hmm. Then they're gonna block my Google account, and mm-hmm. then hopefully um, it's okay if somebody has my phone. Yeah, and even yeah. Has access to it. And and this is very important. Um, for also from from the compliance perspective, again, that these admins are actually able to do that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's really hard, hard, tight, um, and. I hopefully hope uh, that you also have some kind of password or a, a number pin whatever um, enabled. Great. So Martin is, is nodding, so that, that sounds good. Uh, but but leads me to by our admins. Yes, yes. But you would have done that uh, by your own as well. Ah, and one thing, um, and if you speak about data leisure as well, um, I mean, now I'm thinking as a developer, um, it's relatively easy to lose data at GitHub, for example. Um, yes, I just did that uh, last week. Okay. So I was preparing a blog post Yeah. Uh, and was doing some copy pasting, which I did wrong. And mm-hmm. I accidentally, for example, leaked um, an AWS uh, key. Okay. Uh, and that was and actually, I noticed immediately and removed it again. Mm-hmm. It was, I was uploading to a gist. 
Um, and then what was really nice, 10 minutes later, I got an email from Amazon. Mm -hmm. Hello, uh, you published uh, this key on, uh, or somebody, somebody, <laughs> somebody <laughs> published uh, this key on, on GitHub. Please delete it. And afterwards, they nagged me really kind of now. Please also delete all other secrets from your organization. Mm -hmm. and okay. So that was really good from mm -hmm. from 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 their side, uh, basically uh, uh, helping helping me to yeah. Um, well, or make, making it possible that I do stupid things. Yeah, yeah, and and that's pretty helpful. Um, and. Um, Uh, if you speak of GitHub, I mean, I also also uh, saw several cases where people accidentally just not created private but public repositories, mm -hmm. um, and then somebody came and said, "Hey guys, your pro uh, your repository is, is public there," and um, that was a surprise for for the creator actually, um, not the best idea. No. Uh, Great. Yeah, so data security is a thing of constant heart attacks and definitely, uh, and sometimes also depressing moments, but. Yeah, it's something we have to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that's a good ending point or ending sentence as well. Um, don't forget, we are not lawyers. Um, uh, so in any case, uh, you have detailed questions, um, speak to your person of uh, the person to trust um, in your security team, in your, uh, in your organization, or ask your data protection officer. Yes. Um, and uh, I mean, I would always say some kind of small or even bigger amount of paranoia um, is always helpful um, uh, to, to survive in the today's world. Thank you very much, Martin. It was a yeah. pleasure talking to you. It was a pleasure talking to you. And um, hear you next time. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, how about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating.